Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Emmanuel. The word means God with us. It is the last of the great O antiphons upon which we meditate. The full meaning of this is unfolded for us in Luke's gospel. Indeed, we see it throughout all four gospels, and the prophets spoke of it well, this promise that a Savior would come, the long-promised seed of Eve, God with us, Jesus, the babe, the son of Mary. And perhaps it is no better way to contemplate this great mystery and this great gift of God than to consider what it is that that first Christmas brought to us. Because you see, for Joseph and Mary, it was a very long and difficult journey. Oftentimes we picture all the glowing scenes that we see in books, postcards, and greeting cards this time of year as to what that night must have looked like. But the reality, well, was probably a little more stark. Because you see, the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, it was roughly 90 miles. There's no cars. There's no highways. Mary, she herself was in her final days of pregnancy. Now, ladies, imagine being nine months pregnant and walking and or riding that whole distance with your fiancé through the rugged terrain of Israel. There are no plush walking shoes. You can't just slip on your hey dudes and go get in the car and drive down to Bethlehem. There are no hiking boots. You're in sandals. You travel about eight hours a day for five to seven days. And that donkey, that beast of burden that's with you, well, it would have likely had double duty, carrying the couple's provisions for the trip and occasionally, just occasionally, marry herself when she really needed a break. After days of traveling through cool temperatures that would have been about, oh, 45 to 55, what would be more normal for us this time of year rather than the cold we've experienced recently, they keep traveling, Joseph and Mary, and they reach Bethlehem or possibly even just the outskirts of the town and then the time had come for her to be delivered. Gentlemen, you and I both know that we want the best for our wives, especially when it comes time for that great or that uh, big day to come for them to give birth. But imagine Joseph. Imagine his situation, his plight. Your betrothed is pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. She bears in her womb God in human flesh. You would not have chosen a livestock stable for your wife to give birth to your own flesh and blood, let alone alone the long-promised Messiah. But nonetheless, there is no choice. Bethlehem is completely overrun. There is no room for them anywhere. And Joseph and Mary were likely poor, so there's no way that they could grease someone's palms and get a nice room anyway. You see, no room in the inn means that Mary gives birth in a location that is as much outside as it is inside, a place where livestock bed down for the night. Think about that, ladies. It's true that you do what you have to and you do your best, but can you imagine it? Mary's firstborn son, the only begotten son of God, was laid in a feed trough, wrapped in bands of fabric, swaddling cloths. There's no doctors. No nurses, no adjustable beds, no heaters, none of those little plastic insulated hospital jugs that have that great crunchy ice in it. No. And, by the way, no indoor plumbing either. It's Joseph, Mary, and Jesus bedding down for the night against the cold in a place where sheep and goats usually sleep. Talk about humble. This is how our Savior entered the world. This was the first Christmas. 
Do you ever wonder what was on Joseph and Mary's mind through that whole ordeal? In the midst of all this tumult and urgency, was Joseph remembering the words of the angel who had visited him? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Well, we know that Joseph believed God's word that was spoken to him by the angel. His faith is proven by his actions. Joseph loved and cared for Mary and named Jesus according to the words spoken to him by the angel. What about Mary? Well, we are told that she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The angel Gabriel had told her this was to happen. And Mary, who is the handmaiden of the Lord, received God's word by faith. By the power of the Holy Spirit, she bore the word made flesh in her womb. She delivered the Christ, who would later deliver her. Oh, and by the way, folks, yes, Mary did know that she was carrying the Savior of the world. St. Luke chapters 1 and 2 make this very clear. So instead of wondering what Joseph and Mary might have been thinking that night, I'll ask you, what are you pondering in your heart on this Christmas Eve? What are you focused on? Because I hope it's not only a presence, food, drink, or when the pastor will finish preaching his sermon. Based on the fact that you're in church, it's safe to say that you're, you are to some degree focused on Christ, his incarnation, his birth, and the salvation that he brought. And for that, God be praised. But make no mistake, whether you're here out of family duty, yearly ritual, pictures of the cute kids, or a longing for the gospel of Christ, you are here according to God's will, just as Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem that first Christmas night. In other words, you're being here tonight, it's no mistake. Now, it is true that you're not Joseph, you're not Mary, you're certainly not the Christ child, but nevertheless, tonight, in heart and in mind, you are huddled together with them in that manger, gathered around a feed trough which holds your Savior and Lord, the living God, through whom all things were created. Now think about it. The King of kings and Lord of lords, he left the courts of heaven itself to take on human flesh, our flesh, and be born as a little child in some backwater small town, as had been prophesied hundreds of years prior. In fact, about 400 years before that, the prophet Micah said, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. You see, that little wriggling baby came to save you. This child who sleeps among the sheep and goats is himself the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Therefore, it is fitting that shepherds come to see this Lamb of God and to worship him. And that is who you mirror most in the Christmas gospel. It's the shepherds. Because you see, like the shepherds, your life's probably not that glamorous. Like the shepherds, you would just as soon mind your business and carry on with your day-to-day -day lives. Like the shepherds, you were not expecting God to show up in your town for the express purpose of fulfilling his every word to you and saving you from yourself, that is, your sin, your death, and the judgment that you so justly deserve. And yet Christ came for you. He comes to you now in his holy word. The very same Christ child who grew to be the God-man is here. Christ Jesus, who was crucified, raised on the third day, and ascended to the right hand of God the Father, he is present with you now in his word, in baptism, 
his absolution and in his holy supper. Just as the angels announced Christ's birth 2,000 years ago to those drowsy shepherds on the outskirts of Bethlehem, so also those angels bring this good news of great joy to you. For Christ has come. God has fulfilled his word. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Therefore, like the shepherds, you too have come to Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known. Yes, you are sitting in the pews of Trinity Lutheran Church in Norburn, Missouri. But when you arrived, you also came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. See, these historic events from two millennia ago, they have a direct personal impact on you today and also for eternity. God has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He has become one of us. He took on our flesh in order to redeem our flesh. And he bought us back with his holy, precious blood. He was born as we are so that we could be born from heaven by water and the Spirit. He was fed at his mother's breast. He dirtied his diapers. He grew up in a small town. God knows what it is to live life in this sin-darkened world just like you. His purpose in coming was to save you from sin and the awful curse of death. Christ Jesus came to save you from the devil and from the hands of all who hate you. Those little bitty hands twitching and wriggling in the manger, they would grow into the mighty, outstretched hands that calmed storms, cast out demons, and were pierced for your transgressions. You see, those little bitty feet that are wrapped in swaddling cloths, they too would grow into the beautiful feet that would bear good news to sinners. Walk on water, carry a cross, and crush the head of the serpent Satan. Those same hands and feet, they would then also be wrapped in swaddling clothes once again, only this time laid into a stone tomb instead of a stone feed trough. And all this so that the sting of death would be removed as he rose from death and walked out into Easter's morning light, triumphant and victorious over sin, death, and Satan. For as surely as Christ is risen, you too shall rise. And all of this, dear saints, it began, it began in a humble stable in Bethlehem. All of this God did for you. This is why we sing with the angels, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You see, without Christmas, there is no Good Friday. Without Good Friday, there is no Easter. Amid the cold of winter, when half spent was the night, Jesus came to this world to save lowly sinners. To save you and to save me. He is God's gift of love for you. And by his death on the cross, he has saved you. Therefore, whatever you were focused on when you arrived here this evening, I pray you depart in the peace of the Christ child. If up until tonight you've been distracted by gift lists, party invites, Christmas letters, or maybe even good old Santa Claus, remember Jesus was born of Mary to save you. And he is the true reason that we celebrate if you're filled with regret and guilt because your sinful thoughts, words, and deeds are haunting you at this time, repent and rejoice. For Christ Jesus has taken your guilt to the cross. He was born to save you from your sin. By God-given faith, you receive the forgiveness, eternal life, and salvation that he has won for you. In Christ Jesus, you are forgiven. Jesus knows the pain of being in a divided family. He knows what it is to be poor and to be without a place to lay his head. 
Jesus knows the pain even of losing a parent. Jesus knows what it is to be tormented by the devil, forsaken by his friends, and hated by the very ones he came to save. Christ knows all of this because he was born as one of us and he lived alongside us. Your Savior, he took all your shame, guilt, and regret. He took your anger, your laziness and foolishness. He took your arrogance, idolatry, and your lust, all of your sins and burdens, to the cross on Golgotha. He suffered God's righteous wrath in his flesh, born of Mary, to redeem you, body and soul. He suffered and died in order to make unrighteous sinners holy in God's sight. And he has. It is finished accomplished and fulfilled in Christ Jesus. The purpose of his being born in human flesh in Bethlehem was fulfilled on Good Friday, and it was shown forth in the triumphant dawn of Easter. Therefore, dear Christians, this night is unlike any other night. For tonight we gather to rejoice in what God has accomplished for sinners, for you, for me, and for all people. Christ's birth brought peace and revealed God the Father's goodwill toward mankind. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is still with us today. And so when you hear God's triune name, remember that you are baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, joined to him so that you might live a new life. When you hear his word of law and gospel, know that Christ is calling you to repentance so that he might give you his grace. When you hear the absolution spoken by your pastor, know that it is Christ who has forgiven you your sins. And when you receive Christ's holy supper, know that he feeds you his body and his blood to forgive you, comfort you, strengthen faith, and to give you his peace, his peace which surpasses all understanding. And were that not enough, there's more. Christ promises to come again and to take you and all believers to himself in paradise. The one true God who brought you to his house this night to hear his Christmas gospel. This is the same God who will one day receive you and all believers into the eternal home he has prepared for you. And all who have faith in the Christ child. On that great last day you will see your Savior face to face in the bright courts of Zion itself. And join the angels in their praise saying, glory to God in the highest. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Emmanuel. Amen.